Now, I come across the parking lot this morning and this real spiritual song popped into my head back from the 70s when I was growing up. And uh, some of you might remember this song, but it, uh, I just never really realized just how biblical and spiritual this song was. And it was from a group called Steppenwolf. And the song was Born to be Wild. How many remember the song Born to be Wild? Now, you say, well, that's not a spiritual song. Well, I'm sure they didn't mean it to be, but I'm going to show you through the word something. And uh, as a a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, I was in Duran and I had this graphic I wanted to put up on the screen. I thought it would be really cool. And we got into a controversy in the media department that morning on what's legal and what's not legal. And it's not legal for me to pull something off of Google and to put it up on the screen. So I wasn't able to do that and I can't put... Steppenwolf's words up or let you hear the song, but I can read them to you. How about that? Now, here's how the line goes. Who can remember the first line to the song, Born to be Wild? Head out on the highway. Is that not spiritual? Didn't Jesus say, go into all the world? Didn't he tell Abraham to get up and leave looking for adventure? Huh? Isn't that pretty spiritual? He said, you shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Isn't that a very adventurous life when we've been in to go out and do the things of God. Isn't it pretty adventurous? Now, let me read some of these words to you because I'm getting a little nervous and I would have lost this. And so this will be easier to stay up with. Here we go. Get your motor running. Head out on the highway looking for adventure and whatever comes our way. The apostle, huh? You remember, don't you? See, the apostle Paul said, everywhere I go, in every city, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says that Great persecution awaits you. And yet he said, I'm compelled to go to Jerusalem. No matter what happens, whether I live or I die, I'm compelled to go forward in the things of God. Looking for adventure. No matter what comes my way, I'm heading into the things of God. And I thought, why in the church did we ever lose this sense of adventure like that? Things are not always easy, but God is always good. Let me just read you a few more. This gets better as we go. Yeah, darling, we're going to make it happen. Didn't Paul tell Timothy to stir up the gift of God on the inside of you? Huh? How come you expect me to stir you up? How come you expect Micah to always be prayed up, pumped up, and ready to go? When was the last time you came with the sense of, I'm going to stir someone up today with my enthusiasm and with my zeal for the things of God? Hmm? Now I'm going to hit you right between the eyes. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul says, when you come together. Well, we've come together, haven't we? What did he say when you come together? What did he say to He said, somebody has a psalm. Someone else has a hymn. Someone else has a tongue. Someone has an interpretation. Someone has a prophecy. When we come together, people come with something to ingest, something to, to ignite, something to give, something to share with someone else to bring an excitement and a sense of adventure in the things of God. When we come together. Or how about this? We come, well, I guess it's time to go to church. (laughs) It's that day again. Let's get this over with. It's probably not going to be any good. I just can't wait till it's over with. I I just wish I could find a good church. Well, Well, how about make a good church? How about let us stir ourselves up in the things of God? Somebody has to be the leader. Someone has to be the pioneer that no matter what's going on, it's going to be strong. Someone has to be the captain. Someone has to take charge and go forward, even when things aren't well and things aren't good. Huh? 
Man, we've lost that within the church. We've lost that sense of, if I don't do it, it won't get done. We've lost that sense of, if we're going to make it happen, I'm the one who's going to be part of making it happen. That's what Paul said. Man, it's, it's, it's a pretty good stepping wolf where you at, buddy. You just did a good job here. Yeah, darling, we're going to make it happen. Take the world in a love embrace. Isn't that a pretty good spiritual point? We're going to take the world in a love embrace. See you, see, you said, oh, you just, that's just dope smoking music. Man, that's church music right there, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, there might be somebody smoking dope to this, but we're having church with this. This is a good stuff right here. It's amazing how God can speak out of people. If he can't get the church to speak, he will use someone to speak to us, even if he has to use a donkey. Huh? <laughs> Steppenwolf was prophesying. And I love that song, Prophesied, by the way, Sarah. Take the world in a love embrace. File all of your guns at once. Fire all of your guns at once. Fire all of your guns at once. I want you just to let the Holy Spirit begin to talk to you right now in your own life. Are you firing any of your guns? Are you reserved? Are you holding back? Are you pushing through or not? Fire all of your guns at once. As though everything depended upon it. And explode into space. And that's what we're kind of looking for. We're going to fire all of our guns. We're going to leave this world used up. And we're going to go up into, into the cloud with the Lord. Once and for all. Amen. That's the kind of church that I think God wants to build. Even in our little community right here. He wants a church that's exciting. A church that when you come. You're going to hear someone get a word from God. Even though it may not be to you. It's going to inspire you. Because you know you could be next. You're going to see someone go up and have hands laid upon them. And over time, it may happen instantly or it may happen over time. You're going to see their life change because of a love embrace that a church gave them. And you're going to see their life begin to change. Amen. Man, I'll tell you what. I've been reading the Bible for a week for a message and then didn't hardly get one. to come across the road and Steppenwolf gives me a message. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Man, I'm looking for God to speak to me all the time. I can't wait to meet Heather on the street because she's going to say something inspiring in my life. And if she doesn't, I'm going to tell her something inspiring. I can't wait till I meet someone. Sarah sung that song, Prophesy, and I thought, man, I think I'm dropping the ball in this prophecy department. That's what went through my head because I've been saying some negative things lately. I've been prophesying something wrong lately. I've been prophesying some gloom and some doom because everything that comes out of your mouth is prophetic. Whether it comes from God or it comes from the world, everything that comes out of your mouth is prophetic. Jesus said, what those, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. For whatever you say is what you're going to get. Man, I want to change my prophetic word. I want to change it to be like God. Amen? Amen. All right, that was the warm-up message. <laughs> First Kings chapter 17 this morning. You guys uh, go buy your Steppenwolf CD and you can jam to that all week. <laughs> Born to be wild. 1 Kings chapter 17. Verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. 
And there was a famine in Samaria, and Abraham called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And so it was when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them in 50 caves. No, I'm in 18. I'm sorry. I thought, this is not sounding right. Go, let's go back one, one chapter. I was going to try to make that work, and I thought, I've just messed something not right. This Bible is different. <laughs> chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, you think it's bad being from Unger, being called the Ungerite, he's the Tishbite, that's even worse. Who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that was before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. <clears throat> Elijah's a remarkable man. I mean, he's kind of a long soldier out there against all of these prophets of Baal and he's been chased by Jezebel and she wants his head. Now he, you have to think about that. A lot of times we think if we're going to follow God, everything's going to be easy. But how many of you notice if you do what God tells you to do, it's not always easy. Forgiven is not always easy. How, how many have figured that out? Getting along with people is not always easy, but it's one of the things we've been called to do. Elijah is a man who's following God and God speaks to him in some kind of a way that Elijah knew that it was God. Whether it be an inward witness, an outward voice, or through some prophet, I don't exactly know how God spoke to Elijah. It doesn't say that. But God spoke to Elijah and told him, he said, I'm going to cause it not to rain, and I want you to go to a place called Cherith, and there's a brook there called Cherith, and you stay by the brook, and I will sustain you there. Being planted where God tells you to be planted is one of the most, it's probably one of the most assuring things. It's, it settles you. There's something about being planted where God wants you to be that it brings about a, a confidence. You know that God is going to provide for you where he told you to be. Amen. I tell you what, sometimes we, we get out of the will of God and things aren't working well and we think, well, I don't know what's going on. But a lot of times it's just we're out of the will of God. But not always because he's in a place and God's taking care of him. Right where God told him to be. But I want you to see something here. It's very miraculous what happens. The, the birds take care of him. They bring him flesh in the morning and flesh in the evening. He has bread. And I don't know where they got the bread. If they got it out of some widow woman's window when she was letting it cool. Or where he stole somebody's hamburger at the park. I don't know exactly where he got all the bread and the, the flesh. But he brought this to Elijah. And I'm not even sure they wanted to give it to Elijah. He might have just took it from them. But... That's how God sustained him and took care of him there. Right where God told him to be. In the place where God told him to be. The Bible says that the brook dried up. See this is something people don't realize about the things of God. Sometimes you may be right exactly where God told you to be. And yet things don't get better. Things get worse. They get worse. That's what happened in Elijah's life. God had been taken care of him, but he's where God told him to be. You know what happens to us when we get into situations like that? We leave before it's time to leave. 
Because when things get tough, many of us get going. When things get tough, we think we start getting confused and we start questioning whether God told us we were in the right place or not. Somewhere we have to get this place in that subtle place on the inside of us where we know the voice of God and we stay where God tells us to stay. We do what God tells us to do and we don't change until he tells us to change, no matter how tough it may get. Now, you're from the country. I'm from the country. How many has ever seen a brook dry up? A creek. We call them a creek, not a creek, a creek. No one says brook. We call them creeks. And you get around some people, are you talking about a creek? I'm a creek, you know, some water. Oh, a creek. No, not a creek. That's in your neck. We have creeks. You have creeks. That's different. Have you ever seen one dry up? Have you ever smelled one that was drying up? Have you ever seen what's inside of a brook that's drying up? The wiggle tails and the floaties and all the dead things that are there. The fish begin to die and, and it just, it's just nasty. Well, you know, we have this ideal that if God's in it, everything's going to be wonderfully well. We have this ideal. And when I hear people pray, they'll pray this and they say, if it's God's will, it'll work out. There's, no, there's nothing in the Bible that says that if it's God's will, it will work out. That's not in the scriptures. And you're setting yourself up for a fall if you pray, if it's God's will, it, it will work out. Because I'm telling you what, Paul told the Thessalonians, he said, I wanted to come to you. God wanted me to come to you. You wanted me to come to you, but Satan hindered. Satan hindered. There's things that happen. There's things that people do the wrong thing. Here's someone who is in the will of God, right where God told him to be, and yet the provisions begin to dry up. You know, I bet it was nice that first week out there. Man, the water was clear, and the birds were feeding him, and the bread was there, and the water tasted good and sweet, because that's the way God does things. Amen? And he, where God told him to be, and all of a sudden the water doesn't taste so sweet and it's not so clear. And there's little things in it I have to spit out as I take a drink. And I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. And I'm having to push the mud away and let the water seep back. Because God let the provisions completely dried up before he spoke to him again. I want you to think back over your life. How many times have you moved before God told you to move? How many times have you just gave up and run before God told you it was time to move to a new location? I'm not saying God never moves someone. I'm not saying that he never comes into a person's life and he says it's time to move, it's time to change. Paul preached in Ephesus for two years and he said it's time for me to go on. There was time to make a change. Paul would send someone, he would send Timothy somewhere. And he got to one place and he said, I don't have anyone else to send. Everyone has forsaken me or the ones that are with me, I have them all placed already. And I have no one except, and he would send the person he had left. Maybe not wasn't the person they wanted even, but it was the person that they got. Because Paul gave them the provisions that God had given him. He just passed them on. The brook dried up. But listen, guys, your brook may be drying up, but are you where God told you to be? It's a question you have to learn to ask for yourself, and no one else can speak it for you. No one, I can't tell you where you should or you shouldn't be necessarily. I can't tell you whether you should move, take a new job. I can't tell you whether God is through with this season in your life and it's time to, to, to transfer, to move to another town, to even change churches at times. There's people that there are seasons in their life where a church that doesn't work for them or they've outgrown one or something happens and they have to move. I can tell you if you're in a marriage, you need to stay unless there's a few rules there that maybe could give you an opportunity out. But 
not everything when it dries up you're supposed to leave, but there are things that when they dry up, God will let you leave, right? Some things not so much. The brook's drying up on him. And maybe you've been in a place where the brook's drying up, and it's hard to stay encouraged. It's hard to be an encouragement. It's hard to keep your vision strong and alive and have great expectation as the brook begins to dry up. But I'm telling you what, those people that are solid, that can stay and wait on God, look at the next line as we read this. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there with, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The brook dried up, miraculous what was going on there. And then God moves him to another place with a little widow woman who only has enough food for one last meal for her and her son. And then they plan to die. Boy, that was a happy place, wasn't it? <laughs> Man, thank you, Lord, for sending for me to this wealth of, of excitement, enthusiasm here. Man, this is awesome. He comes to her house and said, God sent me. He said, well, oh, my God, I can't believe you. I said, huh. We're just, we're going to die here in a day or two anyway, but come on in. <laughs> Man, it'd be hard to say, wouldn't it? Hmm? God doesn't always take you to the happiest places in the world. He doesn't always plant you in the places that are the most exciting. A lot of people plant themselves in places like that, but not God. If you want to see the move of God, if you want to see a hand of God, you have to be planted where God wants you to be planted. And then you have to be encouraged in God yourself. Then you have to build yourself up in the things of God so that you can be used in God's kingdom. What happened when he met with that woman there and she was a widow, fixing to take her last bit of meal and her last wood and make one last fire with just a few sticks and a little bit of bread and then she planned to die. He said, you feed me first. Then he began to prophesy, you and your son will eat after. They only had one meal, but you feed me first. He ate the one meal. And the Bible says, as long as the drought remained, her meal never ran out, her oil never ran out, and she never ran out of sticks for the entire time of the drought. God has a way to prepare uh, us to sustain you no matter where you are if you can be planted where he tells you to be planted. Look at Isaiah chapter 61. This is a scripture that's been speaking to me for a long time. And I was so excited when I read this till I really read it. And I wasn't so excited. And yet, sometimes God tells you to do something, you just do it. Isaiah 61. Now we're going to start off. It's real exciting to start this off. If I can find it. Okay. This, now, let's go back to verse 60. Chapter 60 first. Let me read the first one. Arise and shine for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. That's speaking to a nation of Israel, but it's also speaking to you. I, I would encourage you to do something that's a lot of fun, especially if you read the book of Hebrews. There's a lot of quotes in the book of Hebrews from the Old Testament. When you read that, go back and see in the Old Testament where that was written. And there's been many times I will read a quote that Paul, if he wrote Hebrews, said. I go back and read it in the Psalms or in Isaiah or in one of the prophets, and I'm thinking, there's no way. You can get this thought from this scripture. Have you ever done that? I'm saying they, they don't even sound like, they don't even make sense. And yet they do because these men are God or letter of God. And then one day God was speaking to me. And it's kind of like I realized he can speak to you out of his scriptures in ways that he doesn't speak to me. 
And you have to have faith to believe that when you're reading the scripture that it's God speaking to you. We want everyone else to confirm it. Somewhere you have to be settled in your own heart. God told Abraham, you get thee up, leave your father's house, go into a country that I will show you. We want to see the whole path one step at a time, Abraham. He took one step. He only knew where the next step would take him. And he began to leave. And then God said, gave him five words. So shall thy seed be. Five words and five words only. He's 75 years old when he gets those five words. He's 99 years old. And the Bible said he's still doubting God till right there at the last. And finally, in Romans chapter 4, it says, And being fully persuaded, he considered not his own body, now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. For he believed that what God has promised, he was able also to perform. What did he say? So shall thy seed be. Five words created a nation. Five words from God. Five words from God. I promise you, in your walk with God, you've had a word from God. You've read a scripture that come alive to you. Why do we let those things go? Why don't we embrace those things and say, this is what God has said to me, no matter what it looks like or what we go through. See? I'm telling you what, we got to press on through some of these hard times. And he said, Arise and shine, for thy light is coming. The glory of the Lord is upon thee. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Now, you see, listen, guys. That means while the light's shining on you, darkness is covering the earth. That means that God's sending you as light into a midst of a dark and a perverted nation. He's sending you as light into darkness. Not everybody's going to be your cheerleader where God sends you. Not everybody's going to be on your side where God sends you. Not everybody's going to uh, praise you and, and, and lift you up and talk about how wonderful you are where God sends you. You have to be the one that shines in the midst of darkness. Amen. Now in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now you'll read this in Luke chapter 4. This is Jesus quoted this scripture that day in the temple after the Holy Spirit had been upon him. He left that wilderness. He goes into the temple. He opens the book of Isaiah. And this is where he starts reading right here. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. Them that are bound. It's easy to have a shout and revival when everybody agrees. But God's sending you where people are bound. Do we not read this and see what he's actually saying? It's easy to get caught up in the flow when everybody's happy and clapping and yes, amen. But what about when you're the only person with a smile and everybody else is, is full of death and doom and gloom? Now, I'm not talking about any of you guys at all. <laughs> don't get me wrong here at all. I don't know. Actually, who am I preaching to? Lord, this must be for somebody that's not here. Isn't it odd how God gave me a message for people that's not here? <laughs> huh? It's easy to get caught up in the excitement, uh, the camaraderie, and everybody's on the same page, and we're all just, hey, yes, amen, Jesus is Lord. 
what about if he sends you into a dark and a perverted nation where everybody's bound and full of chains and darkness and, and think differently than you do and they can't see eye to eye with you on anything and yet you have to maintain the spirit of enthusiasm, the spirit of hope and the spirit of, of guidance. And Jesus walks into a temple and almost immediately they're trying to kill him. Well, I guess God didn't call me after all. No, he did call you. That's exactly where he's sending us. That's exactly where he's sending us. Into where people are hurting and bound. I said, well, maybe I don't want to sign up for this. Well, maybe you don't. <laughs> That's just, maybe you don't. We never thought of it like that, did we? To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To com comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That they may be glorified. The planting of the Lord. That's where God is glorified. Is when people are planted. That's where God begins to rise and shine in our lives is when we find a place and we're planted. When we stick to something, no matter how tough it gets. When we stick to it, no matter how rough it is. When we press through those hard times, that's when God is glorified. Amen? But brother, I just, I don't know why. I just, nobody, nobody's happy and church is so dead change it change it be an agent of change be planted rooted let your roots go deep into the things of God don't expect to be encouraged encourage someone don't expect to be healed heal someone if I just said, no, you're never going to have it all worked out. You're never going to be perfect and have all your ducks in a row. You can't get ducks in a row. They scatter. <laughs> when I get my ducks in a row, it ain't going to happen. It just don't happen. You can hold one duck if you want one duck. And he still, his mind won't be with you. I mean, you, you, can, you can make a kid go with you, but that don't mean they're in their head they're with you. Huh? God's using us in spite of us. You flourish where you're planted. Nobody's going to flourish in what's to come. You flourish today where you are, or you don't flourish at all. We're stepping wolf when we need him the most. Come on, I need some encouragement right now, Lord. No, I'm just kidding, really. I have some uh, rhetorical questions that I ask. So they don't really need an answer. Just, just listen. Stop, pause, silla, think, ponder. <laughs> this is God talking to Jesus. Said, he talked about how wonderful Jesus was, and you're going to go in, and you're the king of kings, the lord of lords, the glorious one, and they killed him. Everywhere Paul went, if you go through the book of Acts, you think, well, why didn't Paul listen to some of these prophets? Agabus comes in one day and grabs Paul's coat and wraps himself in a 
tight knot and said, the Holy Ghost says the man that wears this, you're going to be bound just like it. If it had been me, I said, I ain't going. That's a word from God. God said, don't go, I'm not going. And then you could see others would prophesy, beg, don't go, Paul, don't go, Paul, don't go, Paul, because they're going to kill you. They would prophesy every town he went to. Don't go, they're going to prophesy to you. And yet Paul continued to go. He said, even though you tell me this, what you're telling me is this is what to expect, but I'm compelled. I'm compelled by the Holy Ghost. No matter what awaits me, I'm going to go and God's glory will be seen in my life or my death. To die, that's not what I'm looking for. But if that's what God has planned, I will die rather than not do what God has called me to do. Have you got that kind of determination today? Somewhere there has to be a sellout point in our lives where we just said, this is my life, I'm sold out. I'm not, I'm not playing. We're church people. We're going to be church people. We're going to be Christians. Whether We may not be perfect, but we're going to be Christians. I'm sold out. Nobody's going to change my mind. That's just me. Huh? Somewhere you have to make that quality decision in your own life. Somewhere when God spoke to Abraham, Abraham had to load the mule and leave. Somewhere you got to back the minivan up to the house, put your stuff in it, and leave. <laughs> I'm sure he, he probably wouldn't have had a minivan, but we're, we're not as... Uh, rough and tumble as probably Abraham was. The guy could cut your head off with a sword in a heartbeat, so we're a little softer. So we load the minivan up and, we're, Lord, we're ready, Lord. We're all happy and we're going into the sunset following God. And they don't like us out there. And we didn't know they weren't going to like us. Well, you should know that because he's told you that. They hate me, they will. Hate you. There, see, there's rhetorical questions when I don't ask for a response, but there's other ones when I am asking for a response. You kind of got to get with the flow here a little bit. I expect you to be way smarter and more mature than what you're acting, okay? <laughs> so there's a time to not say anything, and there's a time when, yes, say something. So, so when I say, Jesus said, and then I say, that means you say it, okay? All right, there you go. <laughs> Are we on the same page? <laughs> why did we sign up anyway that's what's amazing to me is he tells us everything that we're going to have to face and the difficulties it will be in this world and yet Michael we sign up anyway isn't that awesome see that's what I like about you that's, that's why I see so much potential in each and every one of you I'm telling you what you're going to have to face and some of the things you'll go through and yet you signed up anyway. That's amazing. That's, that's just, that's just, I don't get that. I, I, I'm thinking, I do get it because I've signed up also, but it's like, there's something bigger than me that makes up who I am. There's something compelling on the inside of me that, okay, maybe I haven't done the best job, but I'm going to try to do better, but I have signed up, and I know what's before me. Let me read you a little bit of this in Isaiah chapter 61. And, and uh, this sounds good, but when you really think about it. So where did I, what was the last scripture I read? Three. Okay, look at verse four. And they, we're talking about the people of God, that's you and I. And they, that's you, us, shall build up the old waste. 
shall build up the old waste. Now let's just pause on that one for just a moment. Anybody ever remodeled a house? One that was really dilapidated and just like everybody said you should just burn it. <laughs> Man, you got to have a vision, don't you? It's hard to just see. A lot of people see uh, an old dilapidated house and they say, wow, let's just burn it. There's other people that see that and say, you know what? A little paint, some new linoleum, maybe some pretty curtains and mow the yard and we pick up the trash and we could really turn this into something more than what it is. Huh? They have a vision. That's what we call it. It's a vision. They see something beyond it. The anointing of God comes upon us and he said, you're going to build the old waste. The slums of the city, the, the broken parts of our towns and our communities, the broken parts of our political system, the broken parts of our communities that others are abandoning because it isn't rat infested, so to speak, because it is dilapidated, because it has ran down over time and it was never taken care of. And Jesus said, you're going to build the old waste. And I was thinking about this and I said, OK, yeah, we're going to build something great. Did you know it takes a lot of money to build something great? <laughs> And if nobody likes you and everybody's against you and your endeavors and nobody's on board with you, where's the money going to come from? <laughs> you know, we start running for cover. You want my money. You want my money. I don't want your money. God demands your money if you're going to do what he asks you to do. And if you don't have it, he's going to give you what you need to do. See, we let vision we let our vision limit us because of what we don't have. I can't rebuild a city. I don't have the resources to rebuild the city. But God said we're going to rebuild a city. So my efforts are I'm going to try to build a team. And I can bring my two little marbles to the table. And you can bring your three little marbles. And someone else can bring their marbles. And pretty soon we've got a sack full of marbles to play marbles with, don't we? Y'all get that analogy? That not too, that's pretty simple, but good. You're, you're getting better. <laughs> and when that's not enough, God will come in a supernatural, miraculous way and give us the things that we need to do. He told me to lay hands on the sick. But you know what? Daniel, I can't heal anyone, but I can put my grubby hand on somebody and then God can take over from there. He told me, I, I don't know, I can't see your heart or what's on the inside of you. I can see your actions and sometimes judge somewhat by your actions. But I don't see someone's heart, but I can embrace someone and begin to love on them. And then their walls begin to collapse and, and begin to fall. And God can do something miraculous through just my simple embracing someone I don't understand. Hmm? I'm talking to me too, just like I am you. He said, this is what the church is going to do. This is what my people are going to do. They're going to build the waste. They shall rise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. See, a lot of people are saying, well, we've lost the country. We've lost our nation. We had once a great nation. I don't think we can. And I hear people say this and I want to choke them. Literally. I tell you, if you can't say, I, want, I wish I was that angel that come to Zechariah and just said, you're not going to talk for six months. <laughs> I wish I had that power. If, of all the superhero powers in the world, 
I want the one where I can just zap somebody and they can't say nothing. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> zap. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Zap, 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 zap. I, I just, I'd be like, uh, again, I'm shooting with all my guns at one time. <laughs> Nobody talks. <laughs> oh, we're losing our country. We're, we will never get it back. This is the last election. We don't win this election. This whatever side they pick, it's over for life. You're not reading the Bible. You're looking through natural eyes. Yes, you should be concerned. And yes, you should engage. Yes, you should vote. Yes, you should be involved in your communities and your school boards and, and all kinds of uh, the city councils and everything. You should engage. I'm not saying that. But we have to see what God says about things. I'm sending you into a desolate place that for many generations has been broken. It's fixable. It's changeable. It's repairable. Not because I said so, because he said it. This is what Jesus was quoting right here. This is not something that's Old Testament. Jesus brought this into the New Testament. And he's quoting Isaiah 61. He began to build cities and communities. He began to build people. And that's how you build cities and communities. You build people. I can't build a whole group of people, but I might get an opportunity to build one person. If I can build one person, now I've doubled myself. That's pretty good interest, isn't it? If I, if you, if I say you give me a dollar, I'll invest it, and I'll give you two dollars back, you say, woo, whoopee, 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 I'm on board. Huh? I say, what if you can invest in one person and change that one person? That's how the building of communities and the changing of nations starts. One person at a time. I know it's cliché Remember that? Can y'all think back about 30 minutes ago when we heard that? That sometimes cliches are good. This is one of those times. Everybody said amen. Yeah, see. <laughs> I don't have to be original with everything, right? <laughs> if something's good, I steal it. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. I want this to sink in you. I want you to let the Holy Spirit talk to you about this. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. God's going to send us the people we need when we have a vision and we begin to execute it. If you'll just get out of your tracks and begin to step forward in the things of God, God will fill the seats with people, even strangers that we didn't think that it was possible together. God will fill the house such as should be added to the Lord, just like he did in first century church. 12, 120 people in that upper room got excited. He said, well, that's a lot of people. That's not very many people compared to the world. Huh? That's not very many people. They get up and start preaching. 3,000 people added one day. My God, Michael, what are we going to do? I don't want 3,000 in a day. I have to be honest with you. Somebody's got to clean that toilet 3,000 times, and it's not me. We need a stranger to do that. I don't know. So I'm believing God for some strangers. How about you? Everybody tonight when you pray, say, Lord, send us some strangers. Not strange people, strangers. We got enough strange people. Strangers. Different. Strange people, strangers. I want strangers. We'll let the other church have the strange people. 
We bless them. Lord, we bless that church down the street. May they have all the strange people. <laughs> we love them so much. We'll take all the strangers. Get a vision. For, I want to build this building. But you, and I catch myself, you just can't get good help. Which is actually kind of true. That's an actual reality. Just like when you go into a wasted city, it is wasted. It's a reality. But you've got to see past it. There's a guy named Simon Sinek. I don't know if anybody's ever read anything from him. He wrote the book Blink. Has anybody ever read that book? I read it like eight or nine times, and I still don't know what he's saying. So I'm going to work on it some more. I'm not going to quit it. I will stay. I will persevere. No, I got part of it. But he's kind of a young millennial thinker and, and talking about where we are in our communities today and how people think differently than they once thought and the work and ethics and things like that. And he said, the reality is we have inherited a problem. And he's talking about workforce, people that will work and consistent, have vision and motivation and want something nice. He said, the reality is you've inherited. You didn't create it, but you did inherit. it." So there's something I didn't create, a problem I didn't create, but I inherited. So the question is, what am I going to do about it? I didn't tear the city down, but it's torn down. Now, what am I going to do about it? I inherited it. I didn't tear the political system down, and where there's so much greed and corruption within our political system, but I inherited this system, and my children have inherited, and my grandchildren are inheriting. What am I personally going to do about it? the rubber meets the road now it's not your fault or your place it's my place okay all right god there's more to me than what i even thought there was i, I can do bigger because it's not about me it's about you and it's not about my gifts or talents it's about me having a vision and a dream and being obedient to you and you will send strangers to help me accomplish the things you want me to do you know why churches don't grow no vision no vision no pro, you know, programs don't build the church, and programs are just attractants and things to help make it easy. It's the anointing of God and, and fixing broken people that actually build the church, the supernatural power that's exciting. But it, part of it is we use programs in order to minister that many times. We give away ice cream so we can get our little hands on a kid and love them. We have parties so we can sit down with someone and hear their story, and maybe they can tell us what's going on in their life. It's a, I don't like these dinners. No wonder no one's sitting with you. Get over and sit with someone you don't know. Well, I don't know them. <laughs> Duh. Start talking to them. Well, if I talk to them, they just tell me all their problems. Uh, clue, 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 clue. The bells are going off. There's a clue. They're telling you their problems. Ding, 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 ding. Winter, winter, chicken dinner. Your opportunity to minister. I'm set at that table because we all, we're all full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Not like you think. <laughs> Ministry's nasty. It's dirty. It's ugly. It's hard work. It's sitting down with people who aren't like you, strangers, different people, 
And yet it's having the capacity to have a vision and say, can I inspire you to be a part of my vision? And will you feed my flocks? Will you teach this class? Will you mow this yard? Will you clean up this bathroom? Will you sing on the stage? Will you find somewhere where you can engage and plug in? We lose people because we never get them engaged. An old man once told me, he said, it's hard for a mule to kick when he's in the traces. Some of you young people don't know what that means. How many don't know what that means? It's hard for a mule to kick when he's in the traces. Thank you. See, there's some... Okay, the traces were the chains that you hook back to the, the tree and everything. And as a mule was pulling it, those traces would get tight. When he's in the traces, when he's pulling, and that chain is tight, he can't kick you. He's got all of his energy are pulling forward. You let him get still and out on you, walk up and slap him, you'll poof, there you go. <laughs> what happened to Micah's head? Where'd it go? There it is. It's rolling down the wall. <laughs> Somebody get it. <laughs> Put his head back on his shoulders. Huh? That's the way people are. You just let them sit out on their, they complain. And they gripe. And they kick at this. And they kick at that. And Paul, the apostle, Jesus comes and said, Paul, you're not in the traces and you're just kicking at the pricks all the time. Why don't you just stop? Engage. What do you want me to do, Lord? Oh, what do you want me to do, Lord? There's a key. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? There's a key right there. What do you want me to do, Lord? A submission and an action. See, that's kind of, isn't it smart? Action steps. I heard that in, in a real fancy seminar one time. Act, you need action steps. There's your action step. What do you want me to do, Lord? How can I engage? What, what could you use me? This is where the pressure's on leadership. See, we, you know what we, you know, the only thing we really like our leaders to do is give us a great message so we can go home and feel good. <laughs> Surprised you're not getting that today, okay? I'm, we already blew that one out of the water. <laughs> His hardest job is to put people in positions that's hard to trust. Because you have to start them small, and then their pride won't let them start small because they're too good to start there. I'm, you don't know who I am. God called me. That's right. I don't know who you am. And take it up with God, but I don't know you, so I've got to test you <laughs> and see what you're made out of. <laughs> huh? That's hard on pastors. We don't realize it sometimes. Are we through yet? Are y'all through with me? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. We're not talking about slaves, people that's going to work for us like that, though that, that may mean people working for you, but it means that you're going to be creating opportunities for people as the children of God, and there's going to be people that will fill those slots. Man, I needed to hear this this morning myself. Thank you, Jim, for getting before God and hearing this great word. You, you, you bet. I'm, I, was, I was glad to get to do it. I'm, thank you very much. I, Thank me. Thank, I thank me very much. But you shall be the name, the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and their glory shall be your boast. Shall you boast yourself? And in their glory shall you boast yourself. And we could just keep reading forever and ever, and I never would get through. So just the Bible's thick and only read this much of it, so there's a whole lot.
right? All right, here's, here's, here's the takeaway, if you could call it that, if I can sort this out just a little bit. Listen to some Steppenwolf this week. You'll be real spiritual by the end of the week. All right, we got that one out of the way. <laughs> uh, go before God and ask him why you're planted where you are, because you are planted. You may not like it, and you may not realize there's a purpose in it, but you are planted where you are. And ask him, why am I planted here, Father? What's my role? What can I do? What, what, can, I, what can I do? I'm young. I'm old. I'm smart. I'm dumb. I'm rich. I'm poor. I'm beautiful. Not so much. You know what I mean? Whatever the case may be. Ask him, why am I planted here, Father? How can I be a part of building something bigger than myself? Because it's not about you, dear one. And this is where the church has kind of got sidetracked to some extent. We've all come to church, and it's about us. Can you make me feel good? Can you do something for me? Can you give me a word? Can you help me? Can you answer my questions? Instead of being the opposite and proactive, can I be a word for someone else? Can I help someone? The Bible says, pray ye one for another that you may be healed. Sometimes your healing is in helping someone else in their healing. Sometimes, that's, we, we, we laugh about this. It seems like all the people who want to counsel are the people who needed the most counsel. And it's like, Ugh, but that's kind of who knows they need it. Huh? Sometimes the people that have been really sick are the people who really have compassion upon the sick. Sometimes your weakness that you think is a weakness, God will turn it and let his strength flow through it. In my weakness, his strength is perfected. So as you read the Bible this week, and so what was my takeaway? Steppenwolf, uh, takeaways, uh, I'm planted here. There's a purpose for it. Uh, can anybody think of another takeaway? Anybody get a takeaway that you could just give me back right quick? Huh? Find the will. Yeah, find the will to keep going on. Press on. Somebody else got a takeaway? Anybody get anything? Give me, give me a takeaway. Come on, quick, quick. We'll ask him why you're here. That, thank you, Daniel. See, the front row is spiritual. <laughs> As you go back, it gets less so. Doug, I'm sorry, buddy. Yon, yon, buddy. Do the best you can is all I can tell you. Okay, anybody else? Right, instead of being negative about it. Yeah, exactly, see? We've got to have to look at this thing differently. We're not the people who need help. We're the people with the help. Somebody else. Quick, come on, man. Vision, who said that? Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Vision. You have one? All right, all right, share it with somebody else. It'll grow. Somebody else. Anybody else? Nobody? Is that enough? Don't let anything steal your vision. See, if we just stop and meditate sometimes, that's what the Bible said. Stop, think, ponder. The word salah, selah, in the book of Psalms, it means stop and think about this for a while. Don't just hear this, oh, what's going to happen next week? Let the Word speak to you. Let it speak to you. Let God speak to you. I'll tell you what. Mark my word. 
It ain't very, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Like my word means anything. What God said. Give and it shall be given. You start giving God the glory and the praise for what he's doing. Thanking him for where you're at. Get a new attitude and it will attract people. They, they'll come out to watch you burn, if nothing else, if you're on fire. Huh? That was a cliche also. I heard that one my whole life. I, I drugged that one out of the sack. Some of you didn't even know it because you laughed, I think. Because I don't laugh at stuff I've heard 5,000 times. Let's stick with the cliches. I think they're working. We finally found what the answer to Boswell is, the cliches. <laughs> the church of cliches. All right, everybody next week bring your favorite cliche, okay? <laughs> and we'll just see what, the, we'll, we'll just have a testimony of cliches. That would be kind of fun. Actually, it would be kind of fun. Anybody can, can you think of one right off hand? Amen. Father, it, in those of you that, uh, I'm going to ask the prayer warriors to come up, the guys that pray up front. If you need prayer this morning, these guys will pray for you. And I believe that God will use them to speak into your life a prophetic word. Don't be, don't be afraid to, to prophesy or anything else. God will use you. Would everybody please bow your head for just a moment and close your eyes. If you're here today, I just want you to ask the Lord to restore and re rebuild the vision He put on the inside of you. To stir it up. Sometimes we need a kickstart. Even though David encouraged himself in the Lord and Paul told Timothy to stir it up on the inside. Sometimes we need a kickstart. We get before God and the Holy Spirit will rain upon us and He'll ignite something. And the Bible said that He will not blow out a little smoking ember and a bruised reed He won't crush. But He'll take the smallest, smallest bit of life on the inside of anyone and he'll begin to blow up on it with the Holy Spirit and bring life and fire and reignite something on the inside of you. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed and nobody's looking around and I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I would never do that. But if someone would say, okay, I backed away. I want to re-engage this morning. In my heart before God, I'm re-engaging. And I'm not asking to come forward. I'm not going to do anything like that. This is not a trick to take you another step. You just raise your hand where you are. And I'm going to pray. The prayer warriors are going to pray. I see a hand. I see a hand. Hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. Yes. I see these hands. I want re-engagement. I don't know what it looks like. I'm not asking for anything spectacular I'm just saying I'm going to re-engage in Jesus name alright dear father I, I, my hands raised in it myself to be re-engaged father I thank you this morning in the name of Jesus that you've seen the hands and the hearts and know everyone here as we're re-engaging in your plan and your purposes for our life father God I pray you would make it clear Jesus you healed a man one time that was blind and you said what do you see? And he said, I see men like trees. So you laid your hands on him again. And if our vision is cloudy, Father God, and it's unclear, I pray you one more time, 
Lay your hands on us, Father God, so that we can see more clearly the things before us. And I thank you for it, because I know you want to do something great in a desolate and waste place. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, these guys are for you. If not, Micah, do you have something left? I'm going to dismiss you. We love you guys. Bring your cliches next week.